1: Welcome in to this week's episode of It's Utah World, It's Utah's World. Boy, if I was a smart man, I'd hit stop and re-record, but that's not how we roll on this show, it's nah. all organic. That's Steve Bartle, I'm Tom Hack. We've got a fun show for you, but first, big thank you to our sponsors, Nate Wade, Subaru, go check them out, 1207 South Main Street, just a couple blocks from downtown Salt Lake City. Um, they're, they're, they're fantastic people, they're, they have great cars. They have a popcorn machine, they have a a refrigerator filled with all your favorite refreshments, Uh, and, and, and I guess most importantly, they have better car deals than just about every dealership in North America, the longest standing Subaru dealership. They just celebrated their 50th anniversary late last year, so much love to our friends at Nate Wade Subaru. Steve, how are you, man? I'm good, man. Uh, you know, doing
2: good. Woke up to some sad news today. That was uh tough to see uh the passing of of Jerry Sloan, but uh you know, shout out to the big man to Jerry Sloan, Coach Sloan. Uh all the great memories. Um growing up as a kid here in Utah, like the Utah Jazz were it, man. Like it was that was life. You played junior jazz, you went to jazz games, you went to the jazz clinics, like Jerry Sloan was the man, and so pretty tough news today. Um, but, you know, we, we can rest assured that he's, he's in a better place.
1: Right, yeah. No, it, um, I'm not trying to be you know insecure or anything. I just didn't grow up watching right. Coach Sloan and the Jazz. My relationship with him is nowhere near as strong as I'm sure the majority of our listeners. So I, um, I do feel, uh, for everybody out there, kind of impacted, uh, saddened by the news. But as you mentioned, look, I I, uh, I was at, and I was telling you this before we started the podcast, Steve, I was at an event a couple of years ago um, where Bowler Jack uh, interviewed Coach Sloan. And uh, you, you could tell he was in um, a fair bit of discomfort. Um, I don't want to say pain necessarily, but it was, it, it, it didn't look enjoyable for him, yeah. and so uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully today he um, he is he is in a happier place, in a better place, and um, his legacy will be will be remembered for uh, well quite some time. I imagine one of the greatest coaches in NBA history, uh, and 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 if you don't believe me, then just go on Twitter, just go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You see uh, the legends of the game. Uh, I saw Dennis Rodman tweeting about him, uh, Pippen as well. You know, like some of the best to ever yep. played. And so um, rest in peace, Coach Sloan. We do have a pretty good yep. show for you guys, uh, though, today. It's uh, Utah football, of course. Um, I interviewed Britton Covey. He shared some insight as to uh, well, on a number of different subjects, Steve. He spoke about his ACL recovery, how the knees feel, and he spoke about a blood condition he had, and why he didn't play football until he was a freshman in high school. Uh, he taught Peter Tomo Penu English, uh, and and shared the story as to how Peter got into the game of football. He actually Peter uh, he didn't join Timpview High School to play football. He came to play rugby, and he just so happened to strap right. pads and helmet on, and uh, broke broke the sack record um, first first year round. So. Uh, yeah. Anywho, uh, and then, of course, uh, there is a bit of recruiting news we'll get to and much, much more, including June 1st, which is where we will start, Steve. Uh, it has been cleared by the NCAA, uh, the University of Utah and the local state Utah government that now details, I, I should say, um, d- details are slim. Um, We don't know much about it. We don't know whether or not it's going to be independent, voluntary workouts, much like Major League Soccer and Real Salt Lake did a couple weeks ago, or if it's going to be small group activities that will take place starting June 1st. But the Rice Eccles Football Facility up there on the hill, Mr. Bartle, will be open, and the gents will be trickling in. Uh, I imagine with face masks and gloves, they will have to have their temperature checked. There will be quite a strict uh, protocol that the players will go through. But for good measure, this is good news, Steve. We're we're, we're slowly making our way towards college football potentially occurring in the fall.
2: Yeah, this was... This was the big step, the first big step for getting back to football and and improving the odds of college football this fall. So this was, um, this was something that many were hoping for, and, and and it sounded like you know last week Coach Whittingham and 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 you know Mark Harlan both kind of referred to this uh, upcoming vote, uh, and it seemed to be that there was a, a, a little bit of confidence. So to see this actually pass and and to to go through and to have you know the players welcome back to the program this is a great uh step forward in returning to you know our new normalcy uh of life in college football so uh i I believe so june 1st i I don't know all of the details i don't know that it's it's been released all the details from the pac-12 just yet but it has been approved by the ncaa that programs will be able to allow their kids back in. Obviously, we can assume that it will start with the local players first, uh, which which will be good. And and that does include, you know, the incoming freshmen. So guys like, you know, Van Fillinger and, and Nate Ritchie, those kind of guys uh, will be able to actually get into the program this summer and begin their workouts. Guys that are going to be counted on that are going to, you know, need the that time in the program, they'll be able to uh, you know, get up to campus and and begin their workouts with with the college program. But yeah, this is this is a great step, you know, and great news for all of us that you know these guys will be welcomed back because you know as as we work through it, that'll allow the out of state guys to return to the program, and uh, it just seems that things are starting to really trend the right way not only for sports, like obviously we talk about sports because that's, that's our, our job, but just in life, it seems that we are trending the right way, you know, with this pandemic, which is very, very encouraging news.
1: It is, and um, it still might be some time um, mm-hmm. till we have a vaccine. That's but worth noting um, the world's best experts in regards to uh, virus virus, Protection and uh, and control, if you will, have warned uh, society that uh, look, it might be it might be a while, but if uh, if we can quote crush the curve, which uh, I think Utah's done a half decent job at, then um, then we're we're certainly working in the r- in the right direction. Um, that, that there was news out of LA, and, and I know in the last time we, we spoke, Steve, we, we spoke about this uh, briefly. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, there was concern that Los Angeles um, and California would not be able to participate in sports. That has since changed, as the governor of California has come out and said they will they will do everything they can to um, to allow sports teams. Uh, from the Lakers, Clippers, uh, their NHL affiliates, Major League Baseball, and of course college football, as well as other college sports, they they will make uh, exceptions for them to participate, which is massive news for the Pac-12 because uh, without USC and UCLA in the Pac-12 South, the Pac-12 South is 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 not the division that uh, that it could be with with those teams in it. So. Um, Again, there's, there's still so much that's in the air um, right. as to how it's all going to happen, you know. It, 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 we really don't know. It's, we, can, we can guess as much as we want, um, and we can spend hours talking about certain ways we think the California government, Larry Scott, the Pac-12 commissioner, is going to handle things. But, um, but, but they seem to think that they can make an exception for sports teams, which means the Pac-12 season... Is likely to begin. It's just now a matter of when. And here's what's interesting Mark Harlan, Utah athletic director, joined um, Alex Curry and and Scott Mitchell on their radio show, which you can check out every night from 8 to 9 p.m. on KSL News Radio. It's uh, broadcast. Uh, locally across uh, across a big... It's got a big blowtorch, so you can find it um, really just about all across the West Coast. But anywho, I digress. Uh, he said that Tom Holmo and him have been speaking a ton as of late and, and they're still thinking that September 3rd kickoff for BYU-Utah up there at Rice-Eccles Stadium will take place. I thought that was fascinating. I don't know how they're going to go about that, Steve. What do you make of that?
2: Yeah, that's going to be interesting. And... I think if if we're looking at the, the current status where we're at with the pandemic uh, and what's going on, not only, you know, for Utah, but across the country with sports in general, uh, you know, I think if we're looking to uh, have sports back anytime soon, I think that's a sure sign that it's going to be, Either very very restricted in terms of va- fans being able to attend, or there won't be fans at all. So I think any any talk of a of the Utah BYU game maintaining the the current date that it's it's scheduled for, uh, I, I think you're looking at a game potentially without fans. And so I, I think you know that's something that is going to be monitored closely because obviously you want to have student athletes there but you want to have students you want to have people fans there as well and and it's certainly something that is being evaluated because the the priority here obviously is is the health and safety of the student athletes and that's always going to take precedence over everything else but i think um It'll be interesting to see what develops over the coming weeks uh, in terms of, you know, the Pac-12 announced that there would be certain protocols, return-to-play protocols for, you know, players returning to the programs. Uh, and, and that trend should continue for the next couple of months in terms of new protocols and that kind of thing. So, you know, it'll be fascinating. It, it, you hope... That we're able to to maintain the current schedule, that will allow Utah to play its its full schedule, which would be tremendous considering, you know where we're at right now. Uh, it's hopeful, uh, but and and we'll hope for the best. But uh, I, I think it still should be considered. I don't want to say a long shot because that that's not where we're at. But I, I think it's there's a lot of hope, and a lot of things have to happen between now and then to to make that happen i think
1: yeah no I and one of the reasons i think um, I think the game will happen steve i don 't know if it's going to happen on September third um, right i 'm a little pessimistic about that, but I do think the game will happen, and the reason behind that is because, as I mentioned earlier the the state of Utah has done a half decent job at at following the guidelines set out by mm. Governor Herbert, and for the most part. Uh, doing what they can to, to try and socially distance, to to try and, and stay sanitary. Um, I understand that there's still, you know, there's still roughly 150 new cases a day, which is somewhat concerning. Um, and that needs to drop significantly if the game is to be played, I think, but... But again, you know, these two two teams are just separated by a 45 minute drive up I 15, um, which which is which is good news. There's no interstate boundaries that that uh, that that the, that the, that the uh, either team's going to have to try and bypass or um, or find a way to get through. So uh, I am sure, hopeful. I I I want the game to be played for so many reasons. One, because I love the game. Two, I think. I think it brings the community, the entire state, together. Uh, in a way. <laughs> in a way. For at least, you know, the four hours. Yeah. And then following the four hours, there's, there's a somewhat divide. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's all part of the fun. That's sport. You know, you're never yeah. going to be always happy with uh, the outcome of a game. I do think, and I know Utah fans aren't, aren't going to like hearing this, um, but I think this is the best chance BYU's had at beating the Utes in a significant amount of time. Um, and I think you look at the most important position on any football team, and that's the quarterback position. And, and right now, BYU has the advantage. Zach Wilson has proven himself. Now, he didn't have a great 2019 campaign, but he's he showcased um, throughout the course of his short career down there at the wide that he's capable of, uh, putting together sig- significantly good drives and, and playing at a very high level. I think BYU, there's no question, has the advantage at quarterback. I think they've got a splendid offensive line. And, and quite frankly, I think the transfer of DHC, um, Devonte Henry Cole, I, I think is immense for them because I really rate what DHC is all about. I don't blame him for transferring. He's, he's a talent, and he was going to have to share playing time up there at the University of Utah, so go and try and make your money, and take it down to BYU, and get all the snaps you can get, and then try and pursue an NFL career that way. He is he's really good. You know, you, you, you go back and watch the tape um, against USC, Zach Moss was injured in the first half, DHC got the majority of the carries from, from then on out, with Brumfield for the most part, but when DHC was in there, I thought he made a lot of things happen. I think he's elusive uh, when he gets the ball shoved in his chest uh, in the backfield. He can make guys miss. But I also think he's a talent catching the football out of the backfield as well. He's, he's got a lot of different dimensions that will be problematic. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. If you have a good offensive line, Steve, you can do a lot with very little. BYU has more than very little. They've got quite a bit of talent in their backfield. Uh, you combine that with a pretty solid offensive front five. And uh, Utah should have their hands full, um, believe it or not. I mean, it's – and so I'm excited to see what happens. You know, of yeah. course I want Utah to win. Don't get me wrong, but I, – I, oh, I, I was, I, I I was going to say something that would really ruffle the feathers of Utah. Oh, I, oh boy. I, I, was, I just think that for the rivalry, it would not be that bad. If BYU won, oh wow, 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 Tom, Tom, what is the name of the podcast that I we know.
2: publish? It's Utah's World. I Tom, know, I know. Tom. I want
1: Utah but, to win,
2: but in a way, I agree. I, I think eventually all rivalries, right? Uh, there's going to be there's going to be a game where Utah doesn't bring its best. BYU catches you know, fire in a bottle, uh, and, you know, beats Utah. Will that be this year? I don't know. Will that be five, six, seven, ten years down the road? I don't know. But eventually, BYU is going to catch Utah. They are going to get a win uh, in this rivalry just because, you know, who knows. At least that's what I think. You know, if, if Utah continues to trend the way that they are and BYU trends the way that they are, who knows? Uh, there's a big separation of talent uh, that just continues to grow each and every year. Um, And so that'll be interesting to see. Uh, One thing that I am most interested in seeing just because of the pandemic, and I hate to bring it all, I hate to bring it back to the pandemic. It seems that every conversation revolves around it, but I'm interested to actually see the fan interaction, the fan uh, reaction to the game you know, just because we've been without sports, and and this is uh, a way to, well, while we kind of joked about it and laughed about it, I think that you you made a good point that this is a way to unite the state, right? I think with what we've been through over the last couple of months, being locked down and being in this pandemic, you've gained appreciation for little things for for things that we've been without, um, and. I'm really fascinated to see how the fans are going to react, you know, assuming that they do play September 3rd, seeing those guys come out onto the field, the BYU players, the Utah players, seeing how the fans uh, react to that and and what the emotional level is going to be just because it it signals a big step forward as as a society as, you know, as fans as, as a community. Uh, it's, it's, it's a big step forward in, in returning to uh, life as we knew it. And, and that'll, be, that'll be fun to see. Um, Tom, to, to switch gears just a little bit, I wanted to ask you this. And, and just kind of ad-libbing here, so I apologize because I didn't give you forewarning on this. But That's CBS right. Sports, CBS Sports released the other day their top 25 coaches in the country. Um, they, they do this every year. They'll go 1 through 60. I think it's 1 through 65, 64, however many Power 5 FBS teams there are. They'll rank 1 through 64. Um, actually, I think it is 65 because Notre Dame. But um, Kyle Whittingham was named number 11. He was He checked in at number 11 in the country. That's where they ranked him, was number 11. Interesting. Uh, just outside the top ten last year, he was ranked 18th. So he moved up seven spots. Um, you know, despite the poor finish to the year, I, I think what he was able to lead Utah and you know and the way that they played throughout the season, and then and what CBS Sports mentioned specifically is is the big picture here and the growth of Utah as a program from a Mountain West Conference. Program transitioning to the Pac-12, and now they've arguably been the best Pac-12 South Division team program over the last five years. Which you know has USC, UCLA, ASU in the division. Utah's been the best program, and so they you know reiterated that point with Kyle Whittingham of just the big picture and what he's been able to accomplish at Utah. So he checks in at number eleven. What do, you, what do you think of that ranking and where Whittingham stacks compared to the rest of the country?
1: I think Coach Whittingham would be a top eight national coach if Utah would have won at least one of the Pac-12 championship games over the last two years. And I, and, and I want to I make it very, very clear to everybody that I, I am a big, big fan of Coach Whittingham. I love the man. He has done a ton for me. Uh, he gave me a scholarship. He, he helped me out tremendously. Right. But the one thing that Coach Whittingham does not have on his resume that he desperately needs is conference championships. Now, he has, he has a Mountain West conference championship, right? Mm-hmm. I think back, what, back in '08 he won one. Um, but he, he doesn't have many, and he needs more because he's too good of a coach to, to only have the, the right. one that he does. So um, Utah needs to win a Pac-12 championship for Coach Whittingham to really cement his legacy. I, I, and I don't, it's tricky because I don't want to come across as if um, winning a Pac-12 championship is an easy feat, specifically considering that Utah joined the pro, joined the conference rather in 2011. So to go from a Mountain West conference into the Pac-12 is so challenging. Mm. It's, and I learned that the hard way, right? In 2012, yeah. 2013, we struggled. Right. And we struggled not because our coaches weren't up to the task, but simply because the level of talent on the football field was quite simply not there for Utah. So to be yeah. able to make the jump and then to go on and win Pac-12 championships as early as... Uh, as early as just you know what what are we going on nine years now eight years yeah. we've played in the conference, that's really really difficult. And I think just to be able to get to the Pac-12 championship game two consecutive seasons has been a remarkable accomplishment by the University of Utah football program and Coach Carl Whittingham. But boy, he he needs a he needs a conference championship. I think.
2: To, to I agree with himself. I agree, and I think one thing to keep in mind is you know. Coming from the Mountain West, uh, TCU has also made the transition to the Big 12. But I think one thing to keep in mind when comparing those two programs is that Texas has a recruiting you know, a, a pipeline in their own state that Utah just doesn't have. I, I think that's one thing to keep in mind when you talk about transitioning from the Mountain West to the Pac-12 and seeing TCU have some immediate success. TCU was built to improve much quicker than Utah was just because of the talent that they had available to them um the uh, the instant connections within the state and just what that drew. Utah doesn't have those same recruiting ties. They didn't they don't have the talent pool in the state of Utah. It has improved tremendously, you know, over the last 7 or 8 years, uh but they they've really grown a lot as a recruiting power. Uh, particularly over the last three to four years. So that's where it's exciting. Let me list the, the coaches that were named ahead of him, and this will just kind of give you some some idea of how how he's viewed according to CBS Sports. So coming in at number 10 is Ohio State's Ryan Day.
1: See, I don't know number, if I agree with that. It,
2: it, it gets this crazy. So James, James Franklin, number nine. Uh, Dan Mullen at Florida at 8. Oh, yeah. Jimbo Fisher at Texas A&M at 7. That one I have issue with. Uh, Kirby Smart at Georgia at 6. Brian Kelly at 5. And Notre Dame. I don't know if I agree with that. Ed Orgeron comes in at number 4. Lincoln Riley at number 3. Dabo Sweeney at number 2. Mm. And Nick Saban at number 1. So, you know, you're talking national championship contenders uh, and then Kyle Whittingham coming right after that, right? You're talking Ohio State, Florida, Notre Dame, Georgia, you know, in from five to ten, and then it's Kyle Whittingham.
1: Okay, but what's what, – like how many years has, has – what's his name? Day from Ohio State. How many years has he been – one? Okay, One year—that's crazy—and he took over from Urban Maya, yeah, like, Everybody like come he, on, like, he had course. a he had a great team. Like he hasn't was, done anything. That's my yeah. whole thing. It's like wait, yeah. no, 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 no. I think Carl Whittingham. <laughs> Dan Mullen as well. Love the man. You know he's got Utah mm-hmm. ties. But like, what's he done? He hasn't yeah. done anything. You, Coach, Coach, what Coach Whittingham has done, albeit. Or, or not win conference championships is he's taken the university of Utah football program from a group of five team to a pa- to a power five team and he's and he's vying for conference championships and he has been doing it for the past two seasons and and quite frankly in 2015 we should have won the conference as well we tied mm-hmm. with USC and because USC beat Utah they end up going to uh, to the title game but I think Coach Whittingham has proven himself consistently over the course of just about two decades now, and 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 a lot of those coaches on that list, you know, specifically the ones higher up towards eight, nine, and ten, they haven't done that.
2: Right. So yeah, yeah, and and you know, and sorry, you know, to 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 cut you off there, Tom, but you know, just I think that that comes back to your point that if Whittingham know did have a conference championship under his belt that yeah he would probably be he would probably check in ahead of those guys and so I think that's something that you know I know it's something and you know it's something that he he wants and and he wants to get for the program before he's before he's done uh, I think if he's able to win a conference championship that 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 kind of cements his status as you know top 10 coach and I, I think and truthfully, I, I believe that Coach Whittingham is a top ten coach in the country. I think he's one of the best. Uh, I think if he were at if he were at one of these other programs that had a, a bigger recruiting uh, pool, you know, if he were at USC, if he had taken the USC job a couple years ago, you know i I would be scared for my life to see what he would have been able to accomplish. And and we could talk about personality fit, but if he goes to a program that has that type of talent available to him. Like it it would be scary to see what he would be able to accomplish and And I think for Utah fans and the University of Utah, uh, what they've been doing over the last couple of years on the recruiting trail, they've upped the talent considerably, and it's exciting. and I think that's what you you want to see. we've We've seen the wins, we've seen the draft picks, and now it's translating onto the recruiting trail, and that will allow them to continue to trend upward. Um, and continue to, to, you know, provide hope and and confidence that they'll be able to eventually get that conference championship.
0: Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.
1: Something else that's holding Coach Whittingham back, and boy, I, I hate criticizing because it feels wrong, but but the offensive productivity over his tenure, specifically in the Pac-12, has it hasn't been nearly as good as I'm sure he would have liked, and mm-hmm. I don't have I don't, I don't I don't have reasons as to why that is. I think early on, um, in the Pac-12, I think Utah, as mentioned earlier, I think they struggled simply just from an athletic standpoint, athleticism. I think mm-hmm. uh, I think they were outmatched every every week, you know, and it didn't matter if we took on. Uh, Oregon State, because you know, Oregon State back back in those days had Sean Mannion playing quarterback, Brandon Brandon Cooks playing wide receiver, uh, so they had they had some killers on that team. The Arizona schools, I I think, um, were, were, were superior to Utah. Like every even Colorado back when they weren't good, I still think. Uh, well, I, well, maybe not Colorado because they joined the program at the same time Utah did, but. But just about every team Utah came up against, right. they, they were outmatched from an athleticism standpoint. I, I think offensively Utah needs to get better. Uh, I think they're on the right track. I think Coach Andy Ludwig is a genius. I think he's intelligent. I think he, um, he puts strategy in place um, that best fits his personnel. And I mm-hmm. think that's tremendous because i i feel like without naming names other offensive coordinators in the past for utah did not do that it was kind of their way or the highway um just when it came came to game planning um and how they were going to operate the offense so i i do think utah can can continue to take steps forward offensively if you look at the the top teams in the country every year right and it's generally well it's been alabama clemson specifically the last just about a decade. Uh, Ohio State's always up there. Uh, Florida State for a while under Jimbo were very, very good. Um, long story short, their offense and their defense are just about as good as one another. Sure, maybe the Alabama defense is better than the Alabama offense uh, some years, and the Alabama offense is better than the Alabama defense in some, in, in some years. But for the most part, they're really, really, really good on both mm. sides of the football. I think Utah consistent consistently and you can you can look at the draft picks to kind of back this this notion up has been tremendous on the defensive side of the ball. Like I, don't, I honestly don't know how they could be much better on the on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively though, they haven't been great. They've had good running backs. They've had really good running backs at that. Mm. And they've had a pretty good offensive line. You know, big Polynesian Dudes out of the state of Utah that come in and throw opposing defensive linemen around. I think um, I think they're the two position groups. But from a skilled standpoint, from a quarterback standpoint, wide receiver standpoint, uh, even tight ends, you can you can throw in their ball catches. They they haven't they haven't been as good as they would have liked to have been. Um, and and it's so it, it's so hard because when you have a good offensive line, you have a good running back. You know how to win. You know, yeah. you you run the football and you run the football until the other team can prove to you that they can stop you from running the football. And not many teams have been able to do that since 2015. So so I, I understand. You don't want to just start flicking the ball around, throwing it all over the place, knowing that you've got your best player on offense in the backfield who's not getting as many touches as he probably should in order to win a game. But then you start, you start teetering with the fact that if you give your running back too many touches, he's going to wear down as the season goes on. Like it's, it's, it's really complex and it's difficult right. and it's part of the reason Coach Whittingham and a number of his assistants make as much money as they do because there are decisions that go into place that are so impactful on a game. Um, so it, it'll be fascinating to see how Coach Andy Ludwig handles it specifically this year because the running back position is a question mark. And I think it's sure. going to be a number of guys that get touches throughout the course of any given game in 2020. Um, and you could argue their, their strong suit offensively is actually on the outside. I think their wide yeah. receiving call is really good. I think their best player on offense is Bryant Keithy, who's a pass-catching tight end. Right. So yeah. what happens in 2020?
2: And, and I think when you look back at the history of Andy Ludwig offenses, what he's done is he's done a tremendous job of maximizing his best players and their ability. You saw it last year with Zach Moss, uh, got him a tremendous amount of touches, but still within reason. It wasn't uh, you know it wasn't the 30 carries that we saw Devontae Booker uh, get, uh, you know, and Joe Williams get and John White uh, the fourth, the Wolfman himself. Uh, we didn't see that with with Zach Moss last year. Uh, he was able to uh, still produce an unbelievable amount, but but he wasn't he isn't he wasn't overworked. Uh, but but Ludwig was able to maximize his ability both as a runner and as a pass catcher and just a player in general. And then you go back through through history of Andy Ludwig offense is going back to what he did at Vanderbilt with uh, the quarterback there that I'm blanking on his name, but I did a breakdown last year uh, during the summer of that Vanderbilt offense. And they had a a pass catcher, a tight end and two running backs that were really, really good uh, and did a tremendous job of getting him, getting those guys the ball. Uh, And, and I think that's something that you can see Utah do this year. And so, with Ludwig, I, I think with Ludwig this year, seeing who he who he pegs as the guy that he's going to maximize, or the guys, I should say, plural, right? Who are the, going to be the guys that he features in the offense? and And I think that is going to be fun to see. I do think that we'll see the offense open up a little bit because I agree with you. I do think that the strength of this offense, and it's easy to to come to this conclusion, just based on who's returning, is is the passing game. It is the, the pass catchers, it's the receivers, it's Brant Keithy. And Cole Fotheringham, too, you know, he, he doesn't get the amount of looks that Brant Keithy does, but he's still, he's got some of the surest hands on the team. And so uh, utilizing him a little bit more in the passing game, I, I'm fascinated to see what Ludwig uh, does this year because he's very, uh, very familiar with, plenty of schemes and plenty of coaching styles and, and tendencies uh, where it's all about maximizing the best talent each and every year and so the, the best talent this year is is the pass catcher and so it'll be fun to see what he does and, and how that looks this year on the field because I do think load and, and shoulder bulletin.
1: I think we I think we lost you there for a split oh. second. Okay, oh but uh, I think we got, I think we got the gist okay. of it. So, um, okay. speaking of one of the wide receivers, Steve, I was uh, and one of the guys that 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 could be arguably the best player on offense this year. Just it all depends. Uh, Britton Covey. I was fortunate, Steve. I sat down with him uh, earlier this week on uh, on KSL Sports Instagram page. If uh, if you haven't quite been able to to watch it, listen to it, I would highly highly recommend it because uh covey shared insight that i'm sure you had not have heard yet um it's about 30 minutes long uh and you'll laugh i think as well most importantly but he mentioned that when he goes out now and runs around he doesn't think about his name which he was which he did uh just a couple months ago he said he is running as fast as he has ever run in his entire life believe oh, it or not he timed himself he timed a 40. Now, okay, I got I to gotta, uh, put some context here. Uh, he ran a 40 electronically in high school. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Uh, I think he was a junior. Uh, anywho, he ran a 4.47 electronically. He timed himself Ooh. on a stopwatch uh, recently. He ran a 4.41. So he's probably closer towards a 4.5, but he's just about as quick as he's ever been, um, which is really, really good. He also mentioned... Steve, uh, which I thought was fascinating, in full camp of last year when he was still suffering, uh, some pain, some swelling, um, he didn't quite realise until recently just how, how bad his knee was. He said, you know, back then I thought it was a lot better than, than it actually was. Uh, he said he looks back on it now. During full camp he was probably at about 50 60%. He was telling people he was at about 80%, 90%, but but he wasn't. Um, And so that that went into, he also mentioned, and I thought this was quite funny, he also said a 50% Covey is nowhere near as good as a 100% Samson Nakua, which went into the decision to medically redshirt uh, after just a handful of games. Uh, to start last season, but his knee is feeling really, really good. The swelling is no longer there. The doctors mentioned if there is swelling in the knee, that's a, that's a uh, just about a surefire sign that there is still something wrong with it, um, and that that's no longer the that's no longer occurring, which is which is really good for Utah good. fans yeah. to uh, to hear. So it seems like Covey is on the right track and and will be back. And, uh, and will play a big, big role offensively for Utah. Will he be able to get back to his freshman year ways? I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Like, we can hope. We can hope. Yeah, we can. wishful thinking is uh, never, never a bad idea. So, um, but, but part of Covey and what makes him so good is his ability to get in and out of cuts so fast, in and out of breaks, uh, so shifty, so hard to so hard to lock down, uh, specifically playing that slot receiver you 're either, you're either lined up on a nickelback, a linebacker, or a safety, depending on the defense that opposing teams choose to to play and um, and if you line up if you, if you put a linebacker over him he 'll run right by you, if you put a safety on him he'll probably run around him as well because safeties are generally bigger. So, um, so it'll be fascinating. It'll be really, really fascinating. But mm-hmm. uh, Covey shared a lot of insightful insights. I'm trying to think what else he mentioned that would, uh, would entice the audience. Um, uh, Peter Tomail Penu joined Timpview, and Covey told the story as to how that all went down. He was in class one day, and Peter walked in for the first time. Uh, following class Peter went straight to his head football coach and said coach I'm not sure if you're familiar but this uh, fella from Tonga just uh, waltzed (laughs) on into my class he was shredded I have no idea how old he is he looks much older than any high school student I've ever seen Uh, we should try and get him to play football because he was he he joined Timview to play rugby anywho uh, long story short the following day or a few days later they went out and practiced they lined Peter up at a wide receiver and he burned everybody. He ran right by him, but he could not catch a football to save himself. Like he had bricks. For yeah. hands. You know, so <laughs> yeah. they said, okay, he didn't speak any English, right? Very little English. So they basically told him to line up at the defensive end position and go get the quarterback. And that was, that was all they told him because they couldn't explain uh different uh, defensive end combinations, right? They couldn't, they couldn't explain right. different techniques to him. They couldn't tell him to go inside and take on the, the center or guard. They just said, look, defensive end is your position. The tackle's going to be over you. You've got to go either through yeah. or around the tackle, get to the quarterback. He broke the sack record.
2: Yeah. His and, tape uh, was so fun to watch back in high school. He, was, he was unbelievable.
1: Um, Covey, Covey did say, though, like, you know, he was so undisciplined because he just had no idea. So they right. had to throw linebackers over the top of him just in case he did something that he shouldn't do. And um, anyway, it's, it's uh, it was funny. And then and then and then Covey actually taught him the basics of English uh, because. It, oh, you know, nice. Peter joined the Utah team when I was still on the team up there on the hill, and he came in didn't speak much English at all. You know, he knew the basics, um, mm-hmm. and you could get you could have a conversation with him, but it was. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't much. He couldn't go into much detail. And then as the years went on, he gradually got better and better and better. He's still in the league today. Who's he with? Is he with the Seahawks right now? I think Seahawks. He's, yeah, yeah. He's Seahawks. Seahawks. So he's bounced around because he went, to, uh, went from the Niners, where he was drafted, down to the Cardinals, if I'm not mistaken. Now he's, uh, he's hanging out in the West Coast still up there in, in Seattle. So he's made good coin. All things considering. Yeah, more coin I imagine than you would have made playing playing rugby. rugby um, right. Which was fun. But anywho, the conversation with Covey was cool. It um, what else was there that I talked to you about before we started the show that I said oh I, I should get to? Uh da, 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 da. anyway, he it doesn't matter. Talked
2: too. about his blood condition. Oh his the blood knee. condition.
1: His uh, blood condition. Pita. Oh, yeah, and the condition. transfer rumors. There you go. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, the transfer rumors. Uh, okay, so he had a blood condition that I don't think many people knew about. And he didn't say what the condition was, but basically, if he got an open wound, his blood wouldn't clot. So it would continue to bleed, which... <laughs> what? Yeah, and he was diagnosed this in middle school, early in middle school. And he was devastated by it because... He loved football and he loved basketball and doctors said, you can't play either. So we got into golf and he thought golf was going to be his future from a sporting standpoint. Anywho, long story short in his freshman year of, of high school, he got retested and he didn't have the condition anymore. So he, um, he, he was able to play football. One of the reasons they told him not to play football or basketball was because it, specifically in football, if you were to get a concussion or you were to get some sort of internal bleeding right in the brain and you, and, and your blood doesn't clot, you're, you're in serious trouble. Ooh, ooh. You could die, you know, pretty easily. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, there you go. I, I don't think – he started wow. playing football as a freshman in high school. No peewee football, nothing uh, coming up through the middle school uh, ranks. It was uh, high school football that started as a freshman and then um, he's gone places since then. Uh, I did ask him as well, lastly, on Covey. Um, I did ask him where the transfer rumours start because every single bloody year, Steve, <laughs> there are rumours that surface yeah. somewhere throughout the valley uh, of Covey transferring to BYU. And, uh, and I get it. He went to Timview High. His family is from Provo, have been for some time, uh, live right around the corner on top of the hill over there by, uh, by BYU's campus. But uh, he thinks Cougar board. Or some sort of message board is to blame. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't absolutely. know how I feel about that. Yep, it's he, absolutely cougar board. Those peasants, Steve. <laughs> he uh, he shared this funny story. He said uh, he was on his mission. When he was on his mission, by the way, those rumors did not stop for two years straight. The longer he was on his mission, the stronger the rumors got. Too was unbearable. It was so horrible. But he said his brother, who attended uh, BYU, said he was on campus one day. Uh, this is while Covey was still on his mission in Chile. And uh, one of his brother's friends came up to him and, uh, and was like, hey, I, I heard your brother, Covey, Britain is transferring to the Y. And Britain's <laughs> brother said, you know, what are you talking about? No, he's, he's not. <laughs> and his friend said, no, 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 he is. I, I've been told he's transferring and and britain's britain's brother was like hey <laughs> hold on a second man i'm his brother like yeah. if he's transferring don't you think i would know about it I would know. <laughs> crazy what is wrong with people so uh anyway yeah no it was it was a really fun conversation uh covey's the man he um he he's truly a treat to speak to he's charismatic, enthusiastic. He's got fun personalities and intelligent human as well. He will get into coaching when he gets done playing Steve. So that's exciting for, uh, for Utah fans. I know he's, he's spoken to coach Whittingham about the opportunity. He's also spoken to coach scally about the opportunity, um, as well as other Utah assistant coaches. So he'll be uh, hopefully up there on the Hill whenever his playing career gets done. If he, if he gets yeah. done after college, if he gets cracked in the NFL, who knows, but, um, but he'll be around for some time within the profession. I think that's good for the sport because uh, the sport needs more people like like Brent Covey in it. Quite frankly, he'll be a uh, a menace of a recruiter. Which uh, I don't know if he'll be as good as Coach Shaw, but he'll be up there. He'll be
2: up there. Yeah, he'll be up there. He'll be he'll be able to speak. You know the the lingo. He'll be able. You know he'll be able to connect with these kids. Like that's that's what it, that's where it matters most. And he can point to you know all the things he accomplished on the field. That'll That'll resonate with kids.
1: I'm curious uh, because I was never recruited. I um, well, I no, I wasn't. But is uh, is is like when when you would know because you speak to these coaches enough about recruiting and the players for that matter. When when these coaches go into these houses and recruit kids, or when they did, I should say, pre pandemic, is it like the equivalent of of like a slippery car salesman? Is that what we're (laughs) dealing with here? Like. (laughs) <laughs> like that's the personality that's required. Like if you're a good car salesman, boy, you could be one cracking recruiter. You know,
2: for some for some coaches, that's exactly what it is. Uh, you know, some some and this is where Utah kind of separates themselves from, from other programs, is that it's all about the relationship and, and it being built upon trust. And I think that's where, you know, Utah really kinda distinguishes themselves from other from other programs, is that It's they're not trying to sell you, you know, snake oil here. It's nothing like that. It's, it's a legitimate relationship between you and the coaches. And that's something that Utah prides themselves on and they've got the right coaches in place, um, you know, to do that. I think all of these guys do a tremendous job of connecting with kids and building that relationship with them where there's, you know, mutual trust, mutual respect between, you know, both the player and the coach. And so that's, you know, for Utah, it's a little bit different. But, yeah, there are some coaches that, you know, they could probably do pretty well on a, on a car lot.
1: <laughs> hey, uh, and <laughs> lastly, uh, I, I don't want to forget this, so let's get to it now. Uh, you have a recruiting update, uh, the recruiting news of the week surrounding Lecky Fotu's younger brother, Tavita Foto, who has been playing his football uh, out at Snow College. He's just recently had his recruiting profile updated. Steve, what's the latest with Tavita?
2: yeah Tavita, so he uh, originally you know was part of the 2018 class, uh, but uh, just had some had some academic hurdles that he had to overcome. so he's at snow now. he just played his first year of, of college ball last year at, at Snow College and did fairly well. Uh, the good news is that he's reaffirmed his commitment to Utah, did that over the spring um, back before the NFL draft. Uh, just got his profile updated. You know, with twenty four seven sports, we have him rated as uh, a mid three star prospect. So a guy that has NFL potential but just needs some development, and I think that's the ideal ranking and rating for him. Uh, just because, yeah, he's he's got some some great tools, some great traits that Utah and those defensive line coaches, Coach Pua and and Coach Powell, will be able to develop and and potentially turn him into another you know NFL player. Uh, much like his brother, and so the thing is, doesn't have the same athletic traits that, that Lucky does. Lucky was was kind of a unicorn, kind of a unique player, but Tavita still has a lot to offer. Uh, and and with those traits and and him being at Utah, I think uh, there's there's plenty of confidence that he'll be able to you know to turn into a pretty good player and, and potentially hear his name called in an NFL draft down the road.
1: Let's, um, so lucky for to correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, he came out of Harriman correctly.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay. Good. And
1: was he a two star recruit?
2: So, so he, (laughs) he was a three star prospect. 24 seven sports had him rated actually in their own ranking as a four star player. They had him ranked as one of the top players in the country. Uh, but, uh, for a majority of other recruiting services, he was kind of an unknown. Like he really, he didn't play football till, I think his senior year at high school, and so he was just kind of an unknown quantity. Um, Utah was in on him, obviously, and then you know he took trips to to USC and UCLA. They kind of came after him hard late in the game, and that's where you know his recruiting stock really kind of took off. But he was he was committed to Utah throughout the entire process.
1: Well, hopefully, similar similar things can occur with um, with his brother Tavita. Of course, <laughs> the development program up there at Utah is uh, is immense. They they continue to just churn out NFL product when just a couple years ago nobody in their right mind thought these players would would even have a crack at playing on Sundays. So um, exciting times for Utah. We need to, you know, maybe next week or the week following. we, we need to try and we need to try and get somebody on the show, Steve, um, Bobby Blacken, the head of recruiting, somebody in his department to, to not give us secrets necessarily because I'm sure they don't right. want that to be known uh, to other programs. But, you know, I'm just so curious how they, how they develop at such a high level. You know, what, what do they do differently? Because yeah. like to, to me it can't be rocket science. Right. Um and so I'm I'm curious to to kinda hear what what certain individuals up on the Hill have to say about that. We'll work with uh with the S I D Paul Kirk on trying to schedule somebody that would be willing to to again not give us secrets, just kinda go over the basics that yeah. uh, that I'm sure other teams kinda try and implement but might not be able to do so at um at as high of a level as as Utah is. Steve, um enjoy your week and happy Memorial Day weekend
2: yeah happy memorial day i'm gonna be busy moving tomorrow uh finally making the move down to sandy so uh that's going down tomorrow so you know the best wishes will be appreciated but you know hope you get to enjoy your weekend uh with with the misses and the kid uh, and you know and just enjoy your time i'm sure you'll be spending it you know on a golf course somewhere and uh you know i hope you shoot uh par at least oh, if dear. not better oh yeah
1: uh, I will be playing golf Sunday morning. I will also be in the backyard, slaving away, moving dirt. Um, does the new place you're moving in have a have a backyard by chance, Steve? No, no. That's no. good. Um, in fact, I, <laughs> I would prefer it that way. Yeah, um, okay. Yeah, the water bill is much lower, and uh, you don't have to actually take care of it, which is... That's Which is thing. really good. Yeah, so congratulations. Uh, give me a shout. If you need help, I will be, again, out in the backyard, dirty, sweating away. So, um, so don't hesitate to call. I'm happy to come up and help you move and uh, send our well wishes from the Hackett Brady household uh, to, uh, to Kendra. And, um, and we'll do this again next week. But, again, happy Memorial Day week, and I hope everybody stays safe, continues to take care of themselves and uh, practice social distancing. Uh, big shout-out to, of course, our sponsor, Naway Subaru, 1207 South Main Street, Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, go check them out. We love them. You'll love them too. Steve, myself, we say so long goodbye. This has been yet another episode of It's Utah's World. We'll be back
0: next week.